Welcome to the Liberal Europe Podcast, European Liberal Forum Project. I'm your host, Ricard Silvestre. Today we have a special episode. I'm very happy to be talking with Ken Andrews. Ken is an influent artist, both as a musician where among several projects I highlight his solo work and the work done with his band Failure, but also as a producer and sound engineer where he worked with artists like Beck, Chris Cornell, Paramore, Tenacious D, Stone Temple Pilots, Nine Inch Nails, to mention a few. We'll be talking about the interception between art and politics, but before that, I need you to go to the podcast show notes and see the YouTube video with the video clip for the song Sword and Shield. After you've done that, then come back so that you can fully enjoy our conversation. And after we're done, I'll be back to tell you about some of the events organized by ELF for this month of December. I'm here with Ken Andrews. Ken, thank you so much for coming to the podcast. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a privilege to have you here. And I should start with a quick disclaimer, and that is I'm not a neutral participant in this conversation. I'm a huge, huge fan of Ken's work for many years now. His music, both as solo artist and with his band Failure, there's other projects. Um, but Failure in particular that he shares with Greg Edwards and Killy Scott has been a constant company in my adult life. And also think of Ken as a very reflective person. He has a life rich of experiences that led him to become a successful musician, producer, mixing engineer. And that includes a very interesting YouTube channel where he shares his knowledge with his fans and colleagues. But the reason that I asked Ken to talk to me is because I believe you have something to share with us that can be useful to anyone listening either an American, European, an Asian, an African. There was a moment in your life in the last month, months where you had to make a calculation between using your art as a vehicle for political message. At the same time, you were knowing the risk that you were taking in doing that. In fact, you had a short video on your YouTube channel where you warned your fans that was going to happen. And in here, and I'm going to throw to you now, I always reminded of Michael Jordan who said, once when he was confronted with the fact that he was not more vocal regarding political causes, he said famously, well, Republicans buy Snickers too. Or then more recently, another hero of ours, Mines and Ken's Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails, who is not shy of becoming political, he just sent one tweet and he warned, this is just like a one-time thing, but please, uh, he asked his followers to vote for uh, Joe Biden. So with this long intro and apologies for that, I'll go to you now, Ken. Tell us your thought process when you're doing the calculations that writing sword and shield and the same time you're knowing that you were breaking into what is your normal tra trajectory as an artist. I think for me, the, the, the music uh, inspired the lyrics and the, the meaning of the song. So... I didn't sit down one day and say, oh, I'm, I'm going to now write a political song 
and it's going to change my career. Um, it was more like the the way I work uh, when I'm writing a song is that I, and I think a lot of artists do this, you kind of follow your muse. You come in, you pick up a, an instrument, what guitar, bass, keyboards, drum programming, maybe you even have a vocal melody. You start with something and then it's like you're sculpting it basically you're trying to reveal what's there and as i was working on this song because i my my brain was simply filled with um all these emotions and thoughts about what is going on politically in my country um the 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 meaning and um the lyrics just started coming very quickly and um in the middle of writing the lyrics and actually recording them, because when I when I'm working by myself, it's a very fluid situation. I don't I I work very fast, and I'm usually writing the lyrics as I'm recording them. And uh, so, as I was about halfway through the song, I realized, okay, there's no going back. If I release this song, it's gonna it's going to, you know, change some people's minds about me, probably. Um, so I just said, you know what, I'm just going to finish the song. This song has to be what it's going to be. And uh, but then while I was working on the song, I started seeing the video in my head, which is that actually has never happened to me before. I, I usually if I've because okay, I am very involved in the, in the music videos for my my artist projects and usually the, the the music videos are you know first there's a consideration of what song do we do and then you know the concept and it's all done very after the fact but this because i was in a unique situation of doing everything myself on the song um i wrote i sketched out the um, video concept at the same time i was recording the song which is kind of unusual for me and then, um, you know, I, I, I was talking things over with my, my bandmates in failure and I told them that I was working on this song and I played it for them and, and they really liked it. Um, uh, but I, you know, it was going to be a solo song cause we're working on a, a new failure record sort of, uh, simultaneously, but separately. Um, and, uh, you know, Kelly was like, I love it. I love your concept. You should you should call up David again, and uh, he meant David Dostmalchian, who is an actor, uh, friend of friend of the band and and friend of mine, and um, he starred in the last failure video that we made a couple years ago, um, and I directed so that part of it wasn't very new. I called him up. I sent him the song. He loved the concept and he really wanted to do it. So that's how that whole thing happened. And the whole thing actually happened very quickly. I've never done a, done a, a, a recording where after I finished the recording, I was shooting the video about three weeks later. Um, it's usually much more spread out than that. So it all came together. And then once we sort of had the date for shooting the video, it became, wow, you know, the election is about to happen. Let's get it done before the election. Let's get it up there. So that's the technicality of how it all, it, uh, how it all came about. But the 
calculation of whether or not I wanted to make this statement as an artist. For me, once I saw what the song and the video were going to be, yeah, I knew it was going to have an impact. But there wasn't, it wasn't a hard decision for me. Um, it, it, I, I, how do I explain this? Uh, I've actually discussed this with several of my fans who, who were apparently, you know, Trump supporters and were kind of angry with me. And they were so surprised that I would risk offending them. Um, that, um, somehow, uh, you know, having someone, uh, like your music would just, you know, supersede every other, um, you know, uh, effort that you might want to make. And for me, um, I love my fans. Um, I actually have quite a, um, I don't know, um, rich interaction with a lot of my fans, especially since I started to do, uh, this YouTube channel. But at the same time, if I feel like, uh, what you're doing and you are, if you're a fan of mine and, 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 and your belief system is encroaching on my ability to survive, uh, it, it, it's not a hard situation. Um, it, it's, it's like, he, no, I mean, at, at some level, and I, and I'm not, again, my fans know I love them and care about them, but at some level, your fans are, if you're a musician like me, your fans are your customers because you make up, you make a product and they buy it hopefully. And, um, you know, to me, this was, this is about uh, the, the whole, you know, movement of Trumpism and what's going on in this country is the greatest existential threat that I personally have ever been exposed to. I mean, it's, it just takes, it's head and shoulders above any other crisis that this country has faced during my lifetime. Um, so, you know, I see some of the comments are like, oh, come on, dude, he's not that bad when they saw the video. And it's like, no, actually, he is that bad. <laughs> um, and here's why. And I would list it out. And, and I have to say, um, you know, uh, you know, I got a lot of pushbacks. There was, the, there was a, different angles of pushback from some of my fans. Some of them were just like, how dare you? You know, I'm, I'm a pain, you know, a uh, customer of yours and how dare you offend, you know, take a shot like this against my belief system. There was that, that was the normal one. But then there were some other people who are like, well, you're just, you know, you're just as bad as the other side because you're just spewing, you know, the same kind of hate. And I, I, my answer to that is I just don't think we're in a situation where pacifism is going to work over here. Um, it, it, I mean, the, 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 the whole Trump movement, you know, is sort of famously defined by, uh, the F your feelings, uh, meme or, and t-shirts, you know? So there's just, you're, you're not going to get through or communicate to, uh, this movement 
with, um, you know, flowers and love. It's just not going to happen. That is such a great point that you just raised because I'm not a musician. I'm not an artist like you, but it is often we can see that people will complain that a certain artist changes his music. And again, I go back to Nine Inch Nails and Trent Reznor, where he said many times, like, I cannot do the same record over and over and over again because it's not me. I want to evolve. And failure, it's also a good example of that. But now we're adding the second layer, which is, and you can't get political too. So you have to do the same music over and over and you have to say the same thing over and over. So that is not attainable for an artist like you. And uh, let me go back to something you said, and that is you were doing the process, the music started to get into shape, you know where it was going. Were you surprised? Um, a little bit. I mean, because, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I'm more accustomed to writing music and lyrics that are, are more veiled in their, in their meaning and um, more, you're, you're more... Uh, I think failure is kind of famously known for um, having lyrics that could be interpreted a lot of different ways. Uh, and, and, and that, that is by been by design because that's the kind of music that we've always enjoyed is lyrics that, um, you know, sound, sound good and, and sound interesting, but leave themselves open to, um, interpreting it into your own life and, you know, having spoken with a lot of our fans since we rebooted in 2014, uh, it, that, it, that was effective or it, it kind of worked. Is what I'm trying to say is, is, um, cause we have a lot of fans who would explain to us, well, this song meant this to me and it really helped me. And, you know, for us, that may have not been the, the, the exact inspiration, mm -hmm. uh, but I love that people can do that, but, you know, can kind of make it their own. And, and that, that's been something we've actually really strived for um, throughout, throughout the band's um, discography. But this, this was very different. So this, that, that was the shocking part to me is that I wasn't hiding or obfuscating anything. This was like, no, this is about Trump and Trumpism. I mean, really, the song itself and the lyrics itself are actually a even a little more specific than just Trumpism. It's really a, an indictment or a satirical, a sort of dark satire, um, uh, pointing out the, hip the, you know, the abject hypocrisy of the evangelical movement Indeed, uh, and their support of Trump. That's why a lot of the the lyrics deal with um, have like biblical references um, that uh, the evangelical movement in the U.S. has used uh, to sort of justify their support uh, of Trump. Um, so I was trying to turn that sort of back on itself a little bit, and and. and um, kind of uh, point out the hypocrisy of that. However, it is interesting that in the album, in the future, and this is a long title, so listeners, please <laughs> be patient. In the future, your body will be the furthest thing from your mind. In that album in particular, failure goes into a little bit of social critique. I'm thinking about solar eyes, distorted field, heavy and blind. So was this 
And we just, you just said a minute ago that in some way you were surprised that Sword and Shield got that specific about Trumpism and about evangelicals. But was this always with you? And then you just, now it was just not, a, there was no way to, to turn around it? Or is it is something like it's recently because exactly as you said, you're going through a period of extreme danger in the United States? Uh I think it's yes to both of those questions. Yes, we have uh, written about political issues in our music, but they were, you know, kind of couched in a little bit of, um, of opaqueness. Um, if you really, if you really studied it, you'd figure it out, um, or, 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 or maybe you wouldn't. And that's that's was a. a And the really and another really interesting moment that I had to face on social media was a lot of my uh, not a, not a lot actually very few but some of my fans were saying this is ridiculous. Ken was one specifically one of my favorite artists and failure too because they avoided any political commentary and. I had to set the record straight and I, I made lists of songs and posted them. So I mean, no, you're wrong. Go back and listen to this song. Go back to listen to this song. Yes, they were a little more vague because that was more of an artistic choice. But we're not living in an age where vagueness is, uh, you know, it, it's just not going to cut through for first of all. And, and, and then the other problem is, is that, again, we are in a very dangerous situation. And I wanted all of my fans to know exactly where I stood, because this is a historical moment. And I think I was feeling very guilty in a way about not saying something because you know I, i i'm a i guess you would call me like kind of a fringe artist i don't have a huge millions and millions of people who follow me you know i have a very small uh, but engaged fan base i don't know if you would call me a public figure but whatever i do have an audience so i just felt like i just had this overwhelming um you know uh feeling of like guilt basically that I need to say I need I need to say what I feel so that people know because because I started to see that artists were specifically staying quiet because because they don't you know I'm well I don't I'm not in their heads but I'm imagining they're worried about losing fan base I noticed that too, even from Portugal, it, it is clearly that there's a void of critique in, uh, in, in, in the sector of art. It is true. I mean, I think, that, I think visual artists have been a little bit more, uh, have had a more output in terms of making political commentary, but like in, in pop music or rock music or whatever you want to call, it's basically... Not a lot. I mean, yes, you have some people coming out and saying, um, I want you to vote for Biden or I'm a Democrat, um, you know, sort of, you know, admitting where they stand. 
but they haven't done anything artistic about it. Or they have, like for instance, I saw a, I believe it was a Zoom, you know, remote concert or remote performance that Sheryl Crow did. And Sheryl Crow's song was political. But I have to, you know, I, I'm just going to go ahead and critique her song here. I mean, the song was terrible. The song was not a artistic piece. It was all she, the lyrics were doing, were listing off headlines, essentially, you know? And it was just, you know, kind of like some music, some chords you've heard before. And she was just listing headlines. And, you know, I, she's capable of, of, of a more artistic statement. And I thought there was kind of a, a void of artists in music making an actual mm -hmm. artistic statement about what's going on. It, it's, it's one thing to go in front of a microphone and say, if you're an artist, well, you know, I'm, you know, I'm an activist and I do this and that. Well, uh, you know, why don't, why don't you speak in the language that you've, um, you know, been cultivating for, for years, which is your, your art, your music. So that, that's, that was something I felt because I did, there was a moment where I was like, well, maybe I'll just go online and just start talking like everyone else and just, you know, chime in. But <laughs> then I thought, well, why am I not expressing myself artistically about this first? And that's when, you know, you know, the song and everything started swirling in my head. One field in particular that has been very, very good, it's the comedians, and especially in late, late night shows. Yes. Getting back to you, and now I want to talk about the video. As you said, you asked David, David Dasmalchen to be on it. And actually, as you mentioned just a minute ago, he entered also in the video Dark Speed and you directed and I was just making a joke with you offline and that is um, did you get inspired by Alec Baldwin on Saturday Night Live what, what what was going on over there oh no no I actually I'm not a huge fan of his Trump actually <laughs> I think there's some better people <laughs> out there um, but no I'm a I I I watch a lot of late night uh, comedy about about Trump, and I, I totally agree with you. That's there. That is an area where they have not shied away at all. And I mean, really, how could they? the The idea for having Trump look the way he does in my video is because a lot of people were like, even the makeup people were like, "Well, we have to do his hair like Trump," and I was like, "No." No, I don't want to do his hair like Trump because my what I wanted to try to achieve was to try to show I wanted to try to show Trump in Trump's subconscious. Exactly. That it comes across uh, Ken, I can tell you that. Yes, I mean that's what, I wanted to show people what I see when I see him on TV which is not the image that's on the screen. The image on the screen is fake. The coiffed hair, the suit, you know, this idea that he is, you know, just, you know, a respectable politician that, that should be, you know, listened to and, and given respect. 
is is false. It's 100% false. He is a criminal and a charlatan and um, a con man. And his soul is dead. And that's why I wanted to have, uh, why I showed, uh, you know, an insect crawling in and out of his head. uh, Because he's dead inside. He is not, I mean, Mm -hmm. he is a human being, but he he doesn't have very many tethers to what makes us human. Um, What makes us human is having empathy for other humans. And he doesn't have that. And that's what I wanted to show. So I didn't want the hairdo, the coiffed hairdo. Um, I wanted him to look disheveled and, um, you know, insane, essentially, which, which is what I think he is. That is a great point, Ken, because you can see the ugliness of that um, charlatan. And I can't, I can't, I don't want to get too much into it because otherwise I'm, I'll start, you know, getting uh, too aggravated here. As we move to the end of our conversation, and thank you so much for making time to be here in the podcast. Now what? What, what comes next? And that is Trumpism is not going away. You, as you said, very interesting, interestingly, you warned your uh, followers and your fans um, I'm not going to shy away from my opinions because you guys don't want to or because you don't like to. So what happens next, Ken? Are you going to just wait for the muse to come, come up and if she takes you into the politic realm, you go again? Was this a one-time thing? Tell us what, what's next. I, well, I, I, I'm not sure entirely. I haven't made like a, a, a plan of attack. But the one thing that has changed for me is that I'm not being quiet anymore about uh, how I feel about the political situation here in America. Um, doing that video for me has has and posting it like literally opened a door for me, and now I feel like now I feel like okay, I can say what. I feel, and I feel like, um, it's, I felt a huge relief actually when I posted that video, um, because I, I've stayed away from saying anything political for almost my whole career. I mean, I haven't said nothing. I have occasionally said a few things here and there, but I've never done anything, um, you know, so focused like that. And it, 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 it's really empowered me. So I'm continuing to post on social media now uh, uh, political um, statements or, or converse, I'm starting conversations with, with my fans about what's going on here. And so that whole world is really new for me. And I don't see that stopping. Um, I, I, I'm going to keep going with 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 you know continuing to post on social about um, you know the political uh, landscape, but in terms of am I going to write another political song that's as uh, focused uh, as uh, the the Sword and Shield video? I'm not sure. I I, I have it. The muse hasn't hit me directly. Uh, 
And I'm still, I'm like right now, I'm just trying to process what is happening now because what is happening now is, is just crazy. Um, the, the, the amount of disinformation has been turned up to 20 over here. And it's just, it's really, um, it's really scary. So, um, right now I feel like I'm just in a, in a mode of researching and, and, um, kind of just taking it in and, and seeing what's going on and what's going to happen. And you have uh, some new work uh, coming out. Uh, um, what's coming? Yes. <laughs> a new uh, five song solo AP. You also told us that you guys are working on a new uh, failure album, which is music to my ears. So uh, tell us where people can follow your genius, Ken. I have a YouTube channel. You could just type in Ken Andrews into YouTube and it'll take you right to my channel. And I've got like 10, 12 videos up there now. And uh, most of them, uh, mostly what I'm doing on the channel is um, talking to uh, self-recordists or, uh, you know, people who are, are doing their music art on their own or in small groups. Um, because that is sort of the new normal now for um, how people make records. I mean, there are some artists who still have producers and go into the expensive studios, but for the most part, that's sort of reserved for only the highest selling artists and everyone below that is, um, you know, re really having to learn how to record themselves and produce themselves and mix themselves. And that's why I'm, I'm doing this channel to kind of um, uh, give back to that community because the self-recording community is where I came from. Um, that's where I learned how to, how to do my craft was just in my bedroom with a four track cassette recorder. And, uh, you know, now the tools are just so advanced and so inexpensive relatively to where it was 10 years ago. Um, it's just, it's kind of exciting artistically speaking. You also have your website, which is kenandrews.com, where you can get to know uh, some of the work done on the backstage of producing and sound uh, mixing and sound engineering. And you're also on Twitter, not very active, I must say, and on Facebook, right? Yeah, Instagram and Facebook are, are linked. And I do, I do post sometimes on Twitter. Um, I'm still trying to get used to... Um, the character limit there. <laughs> my, my ideas don't always fit inside that, but I'm learning how to, you know, explain things in a sh shorter, uh, you know, shorter sentences. Um, uh, yeah. And, you know, I basically split my time between doing artistic stuff like my solo stuff or failure and working for other artists that I like and who, who like to hire me to help them uh, make their recordings, which is these days usually mixing. And now that we have welcomed you to the political arena, you need to get very proficient with Twitter. So I all... know that's where it's all happening. <laughs> all this will be in the show notes. I'm going to put all this information so that you can follow uh, not only Ken's work, but his now newfound voice. 
And I can't thank you enough to be here in the podcast and giving me some of your time. My pleasure. Thank you. I'm back just to remind you that you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. And if you like it, give us a five-star review. In that way, you can help us spread even more liberal values and ideas. And now for some of the events organized by ELF for this month of December, it's time to refresh your liberal knowledge with the ELF Advent Calendar. Discover a new publication every day as we count down to Christmas. For you to know more about this event and the publications in it, just go to liberalforum.eu forward slash advent hyphen calendar. And this is all for now, but I'll be back soon with more podcasts. Until then, let's keep making the world a better place. The Liberal Europe podcast. It's organized by the European Liberal Forum with the support of Movimento Liberal Social in Portugal. This podcast is co founded by the European Parliament, and the European Parliament is not responsible for the contents of this podcast or any use that may be made of it. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the European Parliament and/or the European Liberal Forum. <laughs>